This is the Wednesday night session from the CB Northwest 2017 Annual Enrichment Conference, Beholding the Glory of God in All. Speaker George Verwer in General Session 5. Thank you. I think one of the weaknesses and maybe one of the strengths of OM is that um, we're spread out all over the world. And so as a few of you stood up, I know that that same thing could happen in over 1,000 towns and cities across the world with 200,000 who have served on Operation Mobilization. Many of you have spoken to me and uh, some of the links were more indirect, but all of them are, are important. Well, in my kind of ministry, the last message in many ways is always the most important because I give invitations. I learned from my spiritual father to give people the opportunity to respond. And so at the end of this uh, talk, um, I'm gonna give an, a clear invitation for greater commitment to pray the prayer, Lord, I want more. I know you're already being used of the Lord. You're already accomplishing some great things, but surely this is my prayer even at my age, Lord, I want more in 2017, in your, in your grace, in your grip. Um, and I, I have another prayer that I would like you to pray, and that is that you be willing, as you press on in your ministry here, which is your first calling, you'd be willing, especially as you get older and things may change, you'd be willing to keep pushing doors. Keep pushing doors to see if God has something uh, special, something unusual, or maybe just different uh, for you. So maybe keep that in the back of your mind as we turn to uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. Yes, this is that great missionary passage, and I feel sometimes in mission conferences it has been uh, misused. I trust not to do that. Uh, this evening, and Isaiah chapter 6 is a, first of all, picture of worship of God. And we've had the privilege of some great worship here uh, this evening or throughout the whole conference. So let's read this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were a seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. With two, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And I hope, despite my maybe unusual way of presenting it, that you have had a glimpse of God's holiness. And my book, which is supposedly about messiology, actually has more of a challenge toward holiness and godly living than it does uh, my messiology theology, which is God's side. We're more responsible for our side. And I hope you'll read what I had to say about moral purity from the book of Proverbs. I hope you'll read what I had to say about the sins of the tongue. I really believe the sins of the tongue are one of the greatest epidemics in the body of Christ, 
I believe it does more damage than even adultery and immorality, which has done a lot of damage. I believe it does more damage than even people getting hooked into pornography, which we know is another major difficulty. The sins of the tongue. And I'd ask you as a minister and a pastor to guard your tongue, especially when you're in the pulpit. That's a holy place. That is not a place for you to release some of your anger because your wife's giving you a hard time last week. That's not a place for you to just push one of your little hot buttons because something's bothering you. That is a place to preach from the Word of God and to exhort people on the basics of the Word of God. I was greatly helped as a young, rather radical, somewhat legalistic, judgmental character that somehow, because of messiology, God was using. Because I was about to graduate from the Vatican of Phariseeism, Moody Bible Institute, in its day. It's interesting that years later, Moody Press published the greatest book about Phariseeism that has ever been written, called Extreme Righteousness. Nobody much reads it, never became popular. But it was so used of God in our work, I republished my own edition in India. And it showed me that I had a Pharisee streak. It showed me that it's almost impossible to be a strong Bible-believing Christian and not develop a Pharisee streak. And by the way, the book is a Bible study on the Pharisees, who I'd been reading about and Sadducees for years, ever since I started reading the Bible, but never really studied them and tried to make any comparison between them and myself. Then I picked up another book. The, I haven't read it yet. The cover blew me away. <laughs> Pharisectomy. My wife had something similar in a hospital, and so I wasn't used to this new term, pharisectomy. And uh, I gave it to a friend of mine, and immediately his wife said, this is what you need. <laughs> Pray for them. They do have considerable difficulties uh, in their marriage, but very great friends. Anyway, I was just about to share that as a young Christian already thrust into more leadership than I could handle, I read a secular book, a very popular book in the 50s and the 60s, not so popular now, but it was one of the best-selling books in the history of literature. Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. How we can have books like that and still have so many unfriendly people in our churches is beyond me. I want to excuse all present company. I want to exclude all churches represented in this banquet. But I really pray that the people in your church and that you will lead the way know how to make friends, know how to be friendly. In my research, and if you watch the film of my life story, which starts with me being interviewed in the Moody Network studio in Chicago, I talk about how I, in so many churches, discovered that people go to that church and no one says hello to them. I would have thought it's not only a standard thing when we get a new person in our church to say hello and maybe chat with them, but to immediately say, hey, can we meet for coffee this week? We have coffee places everywhere. I've been in one of the best ones here in town. You say, well, that, that, that costs money. We're not going to evangelize the world without spending a little money. 
and friendship is so valuable. And I'm here partly, yes, mainly because of God, but I'm here because he's given me friends. Friends in my hometown who started their business from nothing and now give me checks for $50,000 and just enjoy it because it's more blessed to give than receive. And I believe if we have a revolution of love and friendship in our churches and with it more discipline to use our time more wisely, to go the extra mile, my research about pastors, and don't misunderstand me, I love pastors, I'm sympathetic to pastors. I've spent time with several thousand pastors in their home over a meal. Seldom in my meetings does the pastor complain when I come into the church. Generally, he wants me back as soon as possible because they know I'm not against them even though I say strong things. I'm with them in the complex, impossible situation. And I know if God called me to be a pastor, I would look for the nearest higher bridge, high bridge and just by faith jump off and go to heaven, hopefully. So I highly esteem you. At the same time, generally, you're miserable at keeping in touch with. You don't answer your emails. You don't answer your correspondence. You have missionaries from your churches. Again, I want to exclude everybody here tonight. We don't want to get an upset stomach before you even have any food. But if there's any of you that are not answering correspondence, you're not corresponding with your missionaries, you're not answering your emails, as tough as that may be, I don't think most of you are from big mega churches with 20,000 people. That's a different ball game. And may the Lord give you wisdom if you're in that particular ball game. And I just pray this revolution of love that we've talked about, this reality that we've talked about, it will really hit the road when you get back to your town, to your church, and your congregation. And you will go out of your way, especially for people that don't like you. One of the reasons our movement never had major disunity during the 46 years, not much after I left, was because I went after people who I knew didn't like me. And board members, I've always been accountable to board members. And some of them didn't like the things I were doing or felt I was going too fast. And I would meet with them, not just in the board meeting, I'd meet with them in their homes invite them to my home, sit down with them, listen to them, and win them over. One person in a church can bring destruction and disunity to that church. It's better to somehow get to that person. I also had the gifting to persuade people to leave OM, to leave our organization. This is not your cup of tea, really. It's not your glass of beer, this movement. God wants to use you, but not in operation mobilization. And, of course, some of you probably hopefully have that gift to get people to leave your church who are causing grief. Extremism is alive and well. One cuckoo extremist who especially doesn't think that you're a spirit-filled person can cause you more grief than six dogs that are drinking too much wine and roaming around your house. Let's continue reading because I'll get too much of a sidetrack. But I hope we go from here committed to holiness on a practical level. And that includes just loving people, going the extra mile, keeping in touch. 
I discovered that even with email and Facebook, telephone calls go way further than those things. I had a person drive a long distance today to have lunch with me. And that, of course, is beyond telephone or Facebook or email. We should not be sitting around very much. We should be reaching out, visiting people, evangelizing, winning the lost. And I would ask you to monitor how much time you spend sitting. By the way, they've done big research about sitting in Great Britain. It's been announced across the nation in the press, sitting is the new smoking. Those who sit a lot of the day and most of the time are basically going to cut three, four, five, six years off their life. Now, we know some of you, you look the type, you're in a hurry to get to heaven. But I think a lot of us prefer to stay here and win as many people to Jesus as we possibly can before we go to heaven. Practical, dynamic holiness. For me, it's almost the same as discipleship. There are many different ways to talk about the life of, of love, of reality. Um, some call it the exchange life. Some call it the victorious life. Some call it the fullness of the Spirit. Others talk about the baptism of the Spirit. Do you know what Billy Graham said about the Spirit-filled life? He said, I don't care how you get it, just get it. D.L. Moody would often talk about being filled again and again with the Holy Spirit. What an amazing man. You know what the secular encyclopedia said about D.L. Moody? Overweight, Amer overweight American evangelist who depopulated hell by two million souls. Have you ever checked Wikipedia what it's saying about you? Wow. We all leave a legacy. And I pray that as a result of this great weekend, and not my visit, but the work of the Holy Spirit, all of us here will be able to leave, us, leave behind a greater legacy in the power and the grace of the Lord Jesus. And it will always be directly linked with some of the things we've been sharing about and talking about together. But let's read on. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with soap with smoke. And then we have this great prayer. And it's my hope that we, many of us, might pray a similar prayer tonight. If the Lord convicts us, even of something that seems small, look at the prayer. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. We talked about the sins of the tongue. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. This last election has proven that our nation is filled with people of unclean lips. We as godly people should never be surprised by it because we teach from the Bible the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked and we've seen it abounding. And I just pray for my own life that in my senior years, I'm an emotional person. I tend to react. My tongue goes a little faster than my brain. That's dangerous. But I pray that that watchman in charge of my mouth will be more diligent in these senior years. Also, as I become more of a public figure and have to speak on television and radio and some very interesting meetings, and I appreciate your prayer. But almost all of my Christian life, I've been praying prayers of repentance and of brokenness 
similar to what we read here. And so I do relate uh, to this prayer. Woe to me. I'll quote the old King James that I memorized as a kid. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. But my eyes have seen the Lord Almighty. Then, wow, here comes the action. One of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. This suddenly looks like a passage from the book of Romans. I remember at Moody studying a parallel Bible course, Romans and Isaiah. So I guess it is linked. What a beautiful picture of radical grace. Perhaps some would say a foretaste of what the Lord Jesus Christ would do on the cross. And of all the things I've been wrestling with that I wanted to leave with you in this final message, one of the most important things, and the successor, uh, my successor, Peter Maiden, a godly man who led OM the 10 years after I did, has just come out with a book on this subject. I wish I had copies, but I don't. But it's all about this great biblical truth of our identity in Christ. He was reared in a very strict church, and his identity really was keeping the rules, keeping the basic rules of his church, which in, in terms brought affirmation from his parents and others. And I don't remember in detail all that he shared in this amazing book I read the manuscript some time ago, but the basic summary is that our joy should be the Lord himself. People coming to Christ, church growth, in my case, another nation reached with the gospel. That should be all like water above the glass. Let the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit fill your glass. May your identity not be your work but your identity is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and allow those other things to fall into place. It's interesting, at the same time, another British pastor, I remember his name, Peter Lewis. He's written a number of books. He's just stepped out of being senior pastor and they've had a fantastic transition. And some of you that face transitions in the future, it needs serious prayer. Transitions often can be very hurtful. And I just thank the Lord that in our movement, we've had two very completely peaceful transitions from me to Peter and from Peter to Lawrence Tong. And we were all together standing on the stage at the 60th anniversary of OM event in Bangkok a few weeks ago. Radical grace, radical forgiveness right here in the book of Isaiah. With it, he touched my mouth and said, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. In the 50s, we created a culture that created a lot of false guilt. For many years, I was counseling young people and about 50% of all those who came on OM needed some kind of counseling and discovered that people were feeling guilty about things that were not. They were not major sinful things. They were something from their strict um, upbringing or from their culture or from the particular church. 
Now, I'm not someone who goes around bashing the more legalistic churches of the 50s or 60s, which, by the way, still exist because I embrace messiology, and those, those churches are a real pain in the neck for me, and I prefer not to get involved. God seems to be able to handle it. Hello? What, do you think that God can handle more than you can? I think so. And so he is working in all kinds of churches, including hyper-fundamentalist places that wouldn't touch me with a hundred-foot pole. He's even working in Bob Jones University, who condemned Billy Graham, declared him part of the Antichrist, later declared OM part of the Antichrist movement. But God is still working at Bob Jones University. A lot of the students there don't have a clue about all that anyway. They're there, they're there to, to get a degree and get on with their life, make some money so they can get their swimming pool, a big house, and a car, and live happily ever after, which doesn't always work out, as you well know. Praise God for the amazing variety of ways that God works. People think the fact that there's more than 40,000 denominations is a real negative thing. Again and again, even top leaders have hit at this. Why are we not more united? Let me give you an answer maybe you haven't heard before. Because that's not the way God works. Why don't we have just one flower? I'm hoping this Sunday to get two hours in my favorite garden, one of the most incredible gardens in the entire world, Wisley Garden outside of London, because I'm preaching nearby. I've got a friend who might take me over there and I can go through these gardens. I especially like the cactus section. It reminds me of God's people. All these different cacti. And just, I never knew there were so many different kinds. And in God's amazing work, he works through language. Personality is a factor. Culture is a factor. And then what about 2,000 years? Many of these denominations were all born in different periods of life. Different periods of history. Because that's the way, especially since Martin Luther, and we're celebrating 500 years since he put those papers up on the wall, somehow God's let all the flowers bloom. And soon, there were all these different denominations. You're one of them. Isn't it wonderful to be in a network? I know you don't use the denomination. And our churches in India are now a denomination, but we don't use that word either. It's beautiful when you can be committed and loyal to your own church fellowship and yet have a big heart for others, for other groups, other churches, and realize the variety of ways that God works. I touch on that in my book. I won't say more now because I want to get to the core and bring this to the close. After this experience of worship, after this experience of forgiveness, he's able better to hear God's voice. Surely all of us, I'm certainly in this camp, I want to hear God's voice. I've got some very important decisions to make in the next few months. I want to hear God's voice. And I believe I can better hear God's voice when I've worshipped, when I've repented, when I'm broken and ready to listen. And so God's servant hears the Lord and we read it. In the next verse, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Isn't that a great prayer? I'm reminded of the words of Jesus. 
as the Father sent me, so send I you. I'm reminded of Acts chapter 12. Five men waiting upon God, the Holy Spirit spoke and sent Paul and Barnabas out as missionaries. I hope all of your churches have the joy of sending out missionaries, even, even short term. Short term is better than nothing, right? I mean, story of my life, a little bit is better than nothing. My dream, of course, in the next few years, you would commend out uh, long-term missionaries to church plant in some of these unreached people's groups and unreached nations. But sometimes you have to start with baby steps. And maybe there's a young person that would like to spend a year on our ship or a year in one of your many different aspects of your venture ministry and other things that you know about that I may not even know about. And have an Acts 13 meeting. We call it a valedictory service in England. Have you, have you heard that word? Valedictory service. We have the young people up front. We lay hands on them. We pray for them. And we send them out on Operation Mobilization. A high percentage of all the people who have served with OM have been sent out by local churches. Not all, including my own situation as a young Christian. But I did go to a Baptist church being born in my little hometown of Wyckoff, New Jersey. I went there Wednesday night, and I said, hey, you guys, I'm going to Mexico. I'd like you to pray for me. So I'm counting that as my little mini valedictory service. Half of them didn't know what was going on, but the Lord somehow caused them to be positive and pray for me. And that's a fantastic story of my hometown and dozens and dozens of friendships. Many of you have been to missions conferences. Some of you have been around quite a while. Let's take a quick survey as we bring this to a close. How many of you have already, in some meeting, prayed that prayer? Here am I, send me. Raise your hand. I want you to stand up. You've been sitting too long anyway. Just stand up. Look at this. These, that's probably why you're doing what you're doing. But I'm going to just pray for you right now. And I'm going to ask you, would you reaffirm in your heart that you're still totally available to the Holy Spirit and you're willing to be resent at some period of your life? For many in my mind, it might be a second career because I believe so strongly in what you're doing now. But I want to pray a prayer of reaffirmation. Lord, I pray for this great army that have already prayed this great prayer, maybe when they were 10, maybe when they were a little older, maybe in some missions conference. And Lord, I am in that category and want to reaffirm, Lord, with a, a little bit of fear and trembling, I want to reaffirm I'm available. Here am I. Send me. God bless each one. Lord, I pray your blessing upon each one standing right now. Refill us with your Holy Spirit as it was in Acts 4.31. When they prayed, the place was shaken. They were filled with the Spirit and went forth and spoke your word with boldness. Lord, give us that boldness and that love we need to see men and women in our communities around us coming to know Jesus. Lord, including some people in high places who, when they come to you, might be able to bring many others, including Muslims and Hindus and atheists and people from many different aspects of society. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. And I want to ask in closing for everyone else, for everyone else.
has not yet prayed that prayer. And I pray you'll give a similar message to your own church someday in God's timing. I've had just tens of thousands, over 100,000 people over the years stand and respond to that passage and that prayer. 400 at Wheaton College just a few weeks ago. And so I'm, in closing, want to ask you, if you've never prayed that prayer, or maybe you can't remember, I would like you to pray that prayer tonight. And I want to make it clear what I'm aiming at. It's not for you to join Operation Mobilization or even become a missionary. That may happen through the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit and your local church. I'm simply asking that you be more available and hopefully in that step of faith, the ingredient of praying more. Lord, I want more in my life of this revolution of love and of reaching people with the gospel. It's a prayer of availability. And when I'm speaking in a regular meeting with people of all different, uh, you know, careers, I often make it clear, as you say, here am I, send me. The Lord may send you into the world of business. Wouldn't it be something if a couple of pastors led the pastorate because they had the opportunity to become millionaires, huh? Do you know how desperately money is needed in the work of God? Do you know how many American missionaries are coming back? Even the Southern Baptists just fired hundreds because of the financial crisis. Can you imagine what it is with us, with hundreds of British missionaries whose pound has just been reduced to $1.20? What that affects missionaries who are already undersupported. And so maybe the Lord will lead someone out of the ministry into the world of business. I've not heard of it very much, but you never know. Because lots of business people leave business and become pastors, especially when the business goes bust. It's amazing how God works. And I celebrate all of it. But I want you to pray this prayer. Here am I. Send me. Let's pray. If you'll pray this prayer, I'm not going to call you forward, but I would ask you to stand up where you are that I can pray a prayer of commitment, a prayer of spiritual grace for you as you make yourself more available. I'm sure in many ways you've already been available. But just to pray this biblical prayer, linked with maybe what the Holy Spirit's been saying to you in these days together, I believe is something that I must, uh, I must present. If you'll pray that prayer. Right now, please stand up. God bless you. God bless you. Wish I could talk with each one of you for an hour. The Lord knows. I believe others have made a stronger commitment to biblical, radical discipleship and grace in these days. And you can pray your own prayer in your seat, even at this moment. But if there's anyone else that will pray, here am I, send me. I'm available or I'm more available. The grace of the Lord Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Father, you see those who are standing before you right now. I believe this is more important than maybe they even realize. Because they are honoring you. They are honoring your word.
They're acknowledging a need, which is so beautiful. And I pray, Lord, for each one standing, that they be filled afresh with your Holy Spirit. And that they have greater empowerment in their present ministry. And if in your timing you have something else, I pray they may be willing to go that extra mile, to push that door, and to trust you for great things, even in those senior years, until they're with you in glory. For I ask in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. What a tremendous joy to be with you. I'm going to be mega disappointed if I don't get some emails out of you. Uh, there's only a few books left that are on the donation table. They are now free. We don't have any mechanism to do anything with them. Includes even a few of my films that I'm hoping you will show to your young people. So uh, I look forward to your emails very, very soon, especially about that. If you remember the strong exhortation I gave about pastors and their ability to communicate. Is there someone here to rescue me now? There. 